0: Out there in podcast land, thank you for tuning into Combat Sports with Rhino, your first, best, and only all encompassing combat sports show. We talk MMA, we talk boxing, we talk kickboxing, we talk Muay Thai, we are always just talking. We have a fantastic show. We are all refreshed and renewed after last week's quick hiatus. My wonderful, phenomenal, fantastically talented engineer took a much-needed break down to beautiful FLA. Got some sun, had some fun, had some Mai Tais. He looks great. He's ready to rock and roll. I'm ready to rock and roll. Bailey has returned for your Twitter questions. We are locked and loaded. So, I'm going to begin today's look-ahead to UFC 247 from Houston. We've got our breakdown of just the main card because, as everybody kind of knows, this is a very top-heavy uh, card that the UFC has put together for this coming week. Obviously, we have John Jones versus Dom Reyes for the 205 title. We've got Bullet Shevchenko versus Caitlin Chikugian in our co-main for the 125 belt. And then we have three other fights that would probably normally be prelims, let's be honest, probably not the... Uh, Probably not the Aaliyah Latifi versus uh, Derek Lewis, but the other ones are pretty prelimy as far as I'm concerned, and I know a lot of you are as well. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Uh, our first fight on the main card is the aforementioned Derek Lewis fighting Aaliyah Latifi uh, in the heavyweight. Now, Elier Latifi has also fought a lot at 205, and Derek Lewis is a goddang monster at heavyweight, 6'3". 260, sometimes it's a cut to make 265, humongous power. The big question on Derek Lewis is always his cardio and how the state of his back is, right? We know he's had some severe back injuries over time. We all saw that stinker that was him versus Nganu. It's really going to depend on which Derek Lewis are we going to see. Now Latifi, he's a stud fighting out of Sweden. He is very good on the ground. He is solid on the feet. He is so small compared to Derek Lewis, man. I think he's like 5'9 or 5'10, but he even looks shorter than that. He's kind of got that bulldog body to him, short, stocky, thick. Tough, tough guy. I think Derek Lewis is going to smash Latifi, to be honest with you. I think there'll be a little bit of a feeling out process in round one, and then it's going to be Derek Lewis, man. He's going to crack Latifi, put him on his back, maybe finish a little bit of ground and pound, but I'm definitely picking Derek Lewis, second round TKO over Yair Latifi in our first bout of the main event. Moving on to the second bout would be is going to be Tick versus Ng. I think these guys are the most evenly matched up guys on the card. Um, I really like Ing. I like what he's done lately. But, you know, Bektik is is who I'm leaning towards a little bit. I'm going to go Bektik by split decision, right, after three rounds. I don't think there's going to be anything crazy. I think they're both really defensively sound. I like them both on the feet. I like them both if they hit the ground. I think it's going to be kind of one of those stalemate fights, to be honest. So, yeah, I'm going Bektik in a very razor-thin split decision over Ing. Uh, moving up to one more fight in my category, my boys, the heavyweights. We've got Juan the Kraken Adams versus uh, Junior Tafa. Juan Adams has not had a good showing his last two times out. I think he he's kind of stated over social media a little bit. He is... He's been working with people on the kind of the mental aspect of things. He came into the LFA like a god dang Godzilla, smashing through the streets of Tokyo, dude. He was so big, so fast, so strong, young, exuberant, youthful, just full of fun. And he just went out there and he did his thing. I think now that the competition has clearly stepped up like we have in the UFC – He's been unable to fully adjust. Maybe it's to the bright lights. Maybe it's to the big crowds. I'm not sure. But he's definitely alluded to it on his social media that he is, having, he's been having some problems with the mental aspects. So I think since he's addressed it, and I'm sure he's got people helping him, I think he, we are going to see the new, better, more improved version of Juan the Kraken Adams. And I think he buzzsaws through Junior early first round KO. I mean, like, first minute. I'm even going to go, I'm going to go hard, I'm going to double down, I'm going to say, 54 seconds into round one, Juan Adams cracks Taffa, puts him down, out, out clean. Not a TKO, not an early stoppage, a clean, on the back, arm stretched out stiff, zombie style KO for Juan the Kraken Adams. Now, moving on to probably my favorite female fighter in the UFC, Valentina Bullet Shevchenko, the I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the most overall talented female fighter in the entire mixed martial arts landscape. I, I know Amanda Nunez beat her. Um, I think the second fight that they had, I don't think relevant thing, Valentina won. But obviously, Nunez got the decision. But you want to talk about someone who is completely uh, full of weapons? You're talking Valentina Shevchenko. On the feet, she is a fucking machine. Huge kicks, huge punches, beautiful elbows, fantastic footwork, cuts angles that any great boxer would be jealous of. She is the all-around total package, right? Kaitlyn Chikugian, I'm sorry, I think you're food. I think you are food for Bullet. I think she needed to defend the title. And you're just kind of the one that they could make the best argument for. You're 13-2. and two, You're a solid fighter, dude. Honestly, Kaitlyn Chikukian is a solid fighter. Uh, but you're going against one of the best two or three to ever fucking do it. I think Bullet Shevchenko just dominantly wins. I think she's going to take her time. I think she's going to not put herself in any position where she could lose. I think Kaitlyn Chikugian is going to be overwhelmed by how big it feels going for her first title fight in the UFC. Uh, Bullet Shevchenko is going to, I don't want to say the word toy with, because I don't want to be condescending because Chikugian a good fighter, but she's going to put herself in a position to hit and not get hit for five straight rounds. I think Chikugian going to get beat up on the feet. I think she's going to get her legs all lumped up, her head all lumped up, her face cut, swollen. It's going to be a bad night, I think, for her. Bullet Shevchenko definitely wins. I'm going a, a like an incredibly wide margin, unanimous decision for for uh, Valentina. Bullet Shevchenko over Caitlin Chikugian. Now, moving our way to the main event, the 205 title is on the line. We've got Johnny Bones Jones fighting out of Albuquerque, New Mexico versus Dom Reyes from California. The only thing that I could say about this is that I've seen Dom Reyes fight for a, for a while. He's 12-0 and 0 now. He's size appropriate, right? He's the same height as John. He is a good striker. We all saw what he was and what we kind of thought he was going to be. And then we kind of saw him against Olsdemir. And then we thought, oh, maybe we were wrong, <laughs> right? The dude is not the world beater. He is not the... I don't know. He just doesn't have the same kind of oomph after I saw that fight. I didn't see that same level of hype in him with Oldsmere. And he's going against John Jones. I'm no huge John Jones fans. I love the way he fights. We're not going to get into the out of cage nonsense because that'll be covered enough by enough other people. But John Jones is one of the two best to ever do it right now, unquestionably. For me, it's him and Anderson. Uh, and John will probably surpass Anderson by the time he hangs him up. John Jones is great everywhere. He has the longest reach in the entire division, well, not even just division, in the entire UFC. Him and uh, Skyscraper Struve are tied, and Skyscraper Struve is 7 foot tall, and John's 6'4". John uses his reach beautifully. His elbows are insane. That oblique kick that is very highly utilized by the guys at Jackson Wink, he is a master at that. It jars your leg backwards. It hyperextends you. You are feeling the pain from the very beginning. Has he put the pedal to the metal his last few fights? No. No, he really hasn't. I don't know if that was some sort of ring rust coming off the layoff. I don't know where his head was at during it all, but he still won. He's still, I mean, I know a lot of people go back and forth that Santos beat him. I don't think so. I think it was close, but I thought John definitely won that fight. John Jones has so much more skill, so many more tools in the tool shed, such a more diverse portfolio than Dom Reyes. That's These are facts as far as I'm concerned. If you want to talk about would it be one of the biggest upsets in the history of the UFC if John Jones had his first loss by Dom Reyes, you bet your ass it would. Isn't that why we love MMA. Isn't that why we watch? Isn't that why we follow all the blogs and the podcasts and read the news articles and follow everything so intently because we love this sport because anything can happen. Dom Reyes, 6'4", thick fucking dude, can strike hard. John Jones could get caught. We don't know. Is that probably what's going to happen? No. (laughs) But do I really want to fucking find out? Yes, I do. So, yeah, for me, I've got Jones with a third round TKO due to strikes. Over Dom Reyes. Uh, Dom Reyes is out of Victorville, California. Like I said, I like him. I think he could be a contender later on down the road. I think this is too early of a shot for him in his career. Just 12 fights in. John Jones, again, he's got one blemish on his record with that ridiculous uh, disqualification loss. He has a Matt Hamill from years ago. John Jones has never been beaten, right? The closest he came to me was Gustafson 1. And so I'm I'm again I'm saying John Jones is definitely going to be more than Reyes can handle in every single aspect of the entire fucking fight. John Jones, third round TKO due to strikes over Dom Reyes. So before I get too far into the show, I definitely wanted to bring up just a couple of the boxing matches that were on last night. The the PBC, the uh, premier boxing championships on FS1, has been putting on some solid shows. I mean, nothing that's super great over the past few months, but I got to tell you, last night, Raymond Guajaro versus Clay Collard. Clay Collard, actually, coincidentally, former pro MMA fighter who's going to go back into pro MMA. I know it's early in 2020, but this round one is going to be a candidate for round of the fucking year. If you're not even sure about boxing, if you don't know much about it, you don't watch it much, I'm telling you, go online, look up Raymond Guajardo, G-U-A-J-A-R-D-O, G-U-A-J-A-R-D-O versus Clay Collard. You had a 5-0 and young prospect kid, only 19 years old, going against a 26-year-old with kind of what we call a journeyman's record, 5-2-3 in Clay Collard. Now keep in mind, like I said, he does have an MMA background, but this is boxing, totally different game. These two fucking guys, the bell rings in Biloxi, Mississippi, and they come out and they start trading like someone stole the other one's mom's purse. It was back and forth. It was excitement. The young kid, Raymond, got dropped fairly early. Collard stayed on him, dropped him again, and then he rushed in for a third one. And Raymond cracked collard and put him on his ass. It was non-stop battering of each other. It was so fun. Second round comes out. You could tell Raymond was still hurt. He, you know, gamely he comes back out. You know they're trying to build this kid's record up. He's five and zero. He's like a young hot stud prospect. Then he got kind of the grizzly veteran in collar being like, not today, Junior. He came out in the second round and just continued the firefight. Raymond being so young didn't really know to to grab on and try to stop the momentum. He kept on getting hurt, kept on getting tagged, and then the referee had no choice to stop it in like the middle of the second round. So Clay Collard, journeyman no more, beats a hot prospect in <laughs> on the pbc from Lexi mississippi last night on fox sports one it was so fun do yourself a favor check out that fight it literally will take you like 10 minutes maybe to watch the entire thing it was so fucking cool definitely love it the main event from that card last night was not at all that okay we had your yugus i'm sorry your dinas yugus from cuba Fighting Mike Dallas Jr. Mike Dallas Jr. has kind of been one of those longtime upper tier guys, but has never really ascended to championship level. Uh, Ugas is a fucking machine. The dude, 24 and 4, Cuban champion, Olympian. He just completely outclassed Mike Dallas Jr. last night. The great part about this card last night was. A, that it was on regular TV, no streaming bullshit, just, you know, old school. You press a fucking button, you put it on a channel. Oh, my God, there's fights. Imagine that. So from the very beginning, you know, there's a phrase that we love to use here at Combat Sweats and Rhino, and that's one-way traffic. And this one was one-way fucking traffic. Ugas just dominated Dallas Jr. the entire fucking time, all the way through the six rounds. He didn't, I'm sorry, in through seven rounds. At the end of the seventh Dallas went back to his corner. Was telling him, "No, man, I'm done." They fought. He quits on his stool. They call the fight, which is in, in boxing terms, is called RTD, which is retired. You know, after the seventh round. So what's technically a TKO for Ugas. He outlanded Mike Dallas Jr. 136 to 46. Now, when you have two guys who have both had similar records, Ugas 24 and four, Dallas Jr. 23 and three and two. Both guys 33 years old, same weight, same everything. You don't expect there to be that kind of a domination, but it was. 136 punches to 46. My God. The clinical definition of one-way traffic. That was that. I think Dallas is going to be... Kind of sent back to the minor leagues after this one. Maybe the undercard of a few of a bigger fight here and there, but I don't see much coming for him by way of getting another ever championship bout. I think Ugas is on that upward trajectory. He is so clean. He is so technical. His defense is so good. His punches are so straight. I love watching the dude. I think what's next for him is going to be a title shot. We'll have to wait and see what happens, but great. Job Fox Sports One, PBC putting together a beautiful fucking card that was entertaining, that was deep, that was evenly matched. I think some other organizations can really take a look at that and be like, "Oh, maybe that's a model that'll make our fan our fans happy." And the, you'd be right. So shout out to you, PBC Boxing. Now we're gonna move into what is one of our favorite portions of the show. We are talking about our Twitter questions from my beautiful Twitter familia out there. Uh, our first one comes from unsolicited fight picks. And you know what? A special, a special treat for everyone. Our Twitter reader, Bailey is back. She has been on hiatus doing other life involving important things for the last couple shows, but now she's back ready to rock and roll. We've got our first question from my boy at unsolicited fight picks at combative views. And he asks,
1: what would you grade UFC two forty seven on paper alone? Outside the two championship fights, the only big name is Derek Lewis, and the flyweight title will either be a quick KO or a dominant five round win for Vale.
0: Yeah, that's that's absolutely. We kind of touched on it a little bit uh, to the homie from Unsolicited. I'm gonna give this one a seven. Right, 10 being the best and 1 being the worst. I'm giving this a 7, A, because obviously there's two titles on the line, and however, we have umpteen shows that have no titles on the line. So there is that. I, I don't think, like I said earlier, I don't think that Valentina is going to have any problem buzzsawing through. I, I do think she's going to go to a decision, but I don't think there's going to be a very competitive fight. I don't think the Reyes fight is too, but at least I think he's going to be somewhat of a problem in certain spots for John. So, yeah, I'm giving definitely giving this one a 7. You're absolutely right. It is super top-heavy. The lower part of the card is pretty inconsequential as far as the weight classes go. So, yeah, I'm giving this one definitely a 7. And uh, that's a great question, my friend. Uh, Our next one comes from Drea at Drea underscore MMA, and she
1: asks... Was making the Masvidal versus Usman fight the right move for the UFC?
0: Yeah, I think it was if you're talking just purely from like, current fan interest and, like, the money buys that it's going to bring. there People have really kind of flip-flopped on Jorge Masvidal lately. Everybody after he had the beautiful flying knee KO to Ben Askren was just all over him. And then there was the BMF belt with Nate, and people got even more on the train. And obviously, you know what happens in times when a lot of people start to like one thing, and then the people who liked him before then no longer like him. You know what I mean? They want to feel like they were the first, they were the only ones, and... And when that happens, a lot of people want to jump ship on that. Once the ship starts getting pretty full, so uh, to me, Jorge Masvidal is still a huge name. He's still a huge draw. He has so many fans. He's never been more popular than he is right now. Uh, all of the fanfare, all the beautiful artwork that people do of him—he is constantly on people's, you know, in people's minds. So, uh, do do I think Usman's going to have a very hard time with Jorge? I don't think so. I think I think. Usman is so much bigger, stronger. The wrestling credentials are out of this world. I just don't, I mean, I'm not going to give like an exact pick at the moment, but because that'll be coming down later, down the pipe later on another show. But I just think that, yeah, just far as business-wise, it does make the most sense for the UFC to put that fight together. So thank you very much, Drea, for your fantastic question. Uh, we're going to move on to our third question, which comes from Stacia, at Stacia S., and she asks us,
2: Is the winner of Francis vs. Rosenstrike Strike the next Heavyweight
1: champ.
0: If it's if it's Francis, then yes, I think Francis has learned from his first fight with Stipe. That's assuming that Stipe gets through DC. I don't think there's any fucking scenario where Rosenstrike gets through both Inganu and Stipe back to back. I just don't see it. I think he's too inexperienced in the cage, not a kickboxing. But it definitely in the cage, I think is going to get through Rose Strike. I think is going to get through Stipe. If Ngannou wins, I think he's our next heavyweight champ. If, you know, by some small miracle, Rose Strike beats Francis, I don't think he beats Stipe. And again, assuming Stipe gets through DC, which I definitely think he's going to. So... Uh yeah, have a great question, Stacia. Thanks so much for asking it. Our next question is a voice question from. I'm gonna call him another member of the team. The, the uh, combat sports with Rhino is never the same without our main man Jim Assoon. It's not a show without our boy Jim. Jim, take it away. Rhino, my man.
2: How you doing, it's Jim Assoon. Well, after that uh, UFC rally and uh, Bellator 238, some really good fights tonight. My question for you is what's next for Angela Hill after that beautiful win tonight. What do you think is next for her? I'm really a big fan of her, so I'd get your take on that, big guy. Keep up the great work, man. Love your show. It's always four twenty. Peace.
0: The big homie Jim coming through again in clutch with another great question. Um Full disclosure about Angela Overkill Hill. I didn't. I wasn't a huge fan of her early on. I thought I didn't like how she. She seemed so predictable in her strikes, and I I would see her train, and she was so diverse with what she was able to do, and then she would get in the cage, and I thought she was very rudimentary from what she showed, more than what she knew, if that makes sense. So I wasn't super stoked on her. I thought it was kind of mean girly when she kind of piled on Paige Van Zandt early for that kind of you know, Reebok commercial that she did. I I didn't think that was very nice. So I wasn't super stoked on Angela Hill. I have really come around on her. Uh, I think she's showing what she's able to do in the cage now. Uh, She's very talented fighter. I have become a fan of her. I've always liked the Sagat from street fighter deal that she does during, uh, during weigh-ins and face-offs and stuff. That's always been cool, but yeah, I'm really starting to come around on Angela Hill. So, um, what I kind of did was I kind of narrowed down her next three opponents. And I don't know if any of them are already signed to fight. I haven't seen them signed to fight already. So don't come hollering at me and getting all pissy with me. <laughs> if I've mentioned somebody who's already scheduled to fight. So the three people in her division who I'd like to see her go with next are Sajara Eubanks. Cause I think she'll win. Uh, Nico Montano, who I cannot stand at all, and I definitely would love to see Angie buzzsaw through her. And then uh, Jennifer Maya. I think all three of these would be great matchups. They'd be fun. I think the... I think Really, I think Angie wins all three. To be honest with you, but yeah, those are three fights that I really like to see her uh, go against. So, but once again, Jim, like I said uh, preemptively, dude, it is not a show without Jim soon in one way or another on the show. You are the fucking best, man, my Canadian homie. I appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Our next question is also a voice question. Comes from the show's homie Dave Frets at Dave Frets,
1: and Dave asks us. Hey, what's up, Rhino? This is Dave Fretz. That's at Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram, or at Soloshoes on Twitter and Instagram. UFC 247, man. Um, just wondering, I haven't uh, actually involved myself in too many of the conversations uh, over this one just as of yet, uh, because I'm one of the ones that thinks that Reese has no chance. Um, and to be honest, I think uh, in both of the mains there's no surprise here. That's my take anyway. I think uh, they're both uh, fairly dominant and solid wins for the current champions. And I'm just wondering what your take is on that and uh, about these two uh, divisions and champions in general. Uh, Is there anything exciting here to happen this year or do you think that uh, it'll be business as usual for both these two? Thanks, man. Keep pushing
0: great job, Dave. I really appreciate every time you ask a question, buddy. They're always so insightful. Um, no, I think it's going to be the same. I think the, the the landscape at 205 is not deep enough to really give Jones any major problems. I also think it's the same thing at 25 for the women with Valentina, so I think it's going to be same. I, I agree. It's going to be business as usual for the at least the remainder of this year, I think. Of course, anything could happen. Dom Reyes could hit him with some crazy shot, put him to sleep, and then the entire landscape of mixed martial arts will be up on side of its head. Uh, Same thing with Bullet, but I just don't think so. So yeah, I see them both being champions at the end of not only tomorrow, or I'm sorry, not only of next Saturday's fights, but at the end of the year and probably for some time after that. So that's what I think about that. Now, Dave Fretz, for those of you who don't know, not only a great friend of the show, a great friend of mine personally, if you want to see your shoes become personalized with some amazing graphics that he designs himself, Go to at Soul Low Shoes. That's at S-O-L-E-L-O-W Shoes. Dave can put together some fucking mind-blowing stuff. Uh, Former Tough Contestant Joe Giannetti... He was on his shorts, did his shoes for him. He's in talks with some other great, uh, very notable names in the sports world to do work for him. The dude is a fucking, I call him the Einstein of graphic design. Yes, that's mine. I came up with that, (laughs) which I make sure I, I note every time I say it. Dave Fratz at Solo Shoes. Fucking dude, what an amazing artist. Go check them out. He can hook up your shoes or hats now, which is a new thing that he's putting out, dude. Amazing, amazing stuff. Thank you so much, brother. You're a fucking part of this show, too, man. Thank you again. Combat Swords with Rhino friends, we have got wonderful guests for you today. You want to talk about an exciting UFC prospect? You want to talk about somebody who, no matter who he's in there with you, think, yeah, this guy really has a great chance of winning at either 205 or 185. It's apropos on Super Bowl Sunday that the show would have such a high-level football player like a 2009 national champion inside linebacker from Alabama right? I'm. You know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Eric, your boy, Anders. So I've got a great interview with Eric, and here we go. Well, folks, we have ourselves a very, very special guest this evening on Combat Sports with Rhino. Seeing guys at Super Bowl Sunday, I cannot imagine a better guest than the one that we have today. Former national champion linebacker in Alabama, former LFA middleweight champion. Not one, but two-time UFC performance of the night winner. One-time fighter of the night. Time. Three-time. Well, I got the two-time time. performance and the one-time winner of fight of the night. That's all that's I had. Right, that's yeah, that's right. so, gotcha. all. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, one-time winner of fight of the night versus Tiago Marietta Santos. One of the only UFC fighters that is truly top tier. And not one, but two different weight classes at 185 and 205. 2017's MMA Junkie Under the Radar Fighter of the Year. Fighting out Birmingham, Alabama. By way of San Antonio, Texas, the hardest hitter ever born at Clark Air Base in Papanga, Lausanne Island, Philippines. Yo, boy, Eric Anders, how are you today, sir? Man, let's go. I think Bruce Buffer's and
2: uh, you know, might lose his job too when he <laughs> retire. Man, whenever he retire, I might he might be the
0: guy. I might be the one. I, I wouldn't say no to that. I want to get those cool outfits that he has too i sure pretty Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm sure he does as well. Uh, Eric, seeing as it's at Super Bowl Sunday, uh, are you still watching football? Are like you still a big football guy uh, even now? Or has it kind of faded some in the latter years?
2: Um, I mean, it's definitely faded some. But, man, I'm still a fan of the sport, man. You know, it's, uh, because of football, you know, provided me so many other opportunities after I got done playing, you know, it'll always be kind of near and dear to my heart, so um, not as into it as I once was, but, you know, still a fan of the sport, still watch it, you know, pretty regularly, and, um, you know, enjoy watching it.
0: Yeah, definitely, dude. Um, do you remember what was the first time you saw MMA, not even this the UFC, but any, any sort of mixed martial arts? Like, do you remember that first, like, poignant moment where you saw it and you were like, oh, I fucking like this?
2: Man, you know, uh, it's it's funny because I was just at the uh, youth state wrestling tournament yesterday, and I was talking to, you know, some guys that I've been training with for a while, and um, you know, it's funny. Uh, we we were talking about like, you know, guys who, you know, sometimes when they meet me, they'll be like, oh, well, I'm undefeated in street fights, or, you know, you know, they try and you know challenge me or fight me or whatever. When whenever they find out I'm in the UFC, and uh, you know we were really talking about, like, you know, dads who may have wrestled in high school, but they're so far removed from the sport that they forgot what it's like, you know, in that third period. And you know, these are eight and ten year old kids sure. or whatever. And um, you know, I, I, you know, not that I was ever like a, you know, one of those guys who beat their chest all the time or anything like that. But you know, I, I the very first time I ever watched, my roommate in college, uh, Ali Sharif uh was huge mma fan huge 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 fan and um the first fight i ever watched was shogun and machida oh okay and uh man i just remember at some point during the fight he's like man you know i can kick that you know japanese brazilian guy's ass you know i you know he was the dragon i thought that was cool i was like oh the dragon is badass you know i was like but i'm sure i could kick that dude's ass the other guy, I don't know. It looks like he kicks really, really hard, so I don't know. But uh, the other guy, I know I could get him. And then fast forward, you know, several years later, I actually got a chance to fight him and lost. Right. And I was like, man, you know what? That guy's pretty elusive. <laughs> that guy's pretty good, man. That guy's pretty good. A
1: hundred percent.
2: Yeah, you know, that, that, that was my first uh, experience with MMA was was that Shogun Machida fight.
0: Man, that's a good one to get started on, dude. Um. So what is it? I mean, I got to ask you, what is it about guys who are either from or train in Birmingham, Alabama, who hit so fucking hard? You want to talk about obviously you, Walt Big Ticket Harris, of course, Deontay Wilder in the boxing world. Is there a special regional food that you guys are eating? Is it in the water? Is it the weather? What is it down there that gives you guys this nuclear warhead hands that you guys have?
2: Man, you know, I don't know about them, but, you know, I get my power from the sun shining on my belly. So, you know, (laughs) I always walk around with that shirt. And, you know, I got my power belly out. So, you know, that's where I get my power from. I'm not sure about the other guys. Right. uh, But there might be something in the water. You know, I think the South in general, you know, because of its history, uh, you know, there's just a lot of athletes just, you know, climbing. You know, just laying around, doing nothing. And now the sports like MMA and stuff are coming around. You see, uh, and, you know, also with, you know, I think a lot of people are stepping away from football because all the concussion protocols and, you know, the injuries and stuff like that. The guys are and kids are picking up and parents are steering them towards, like, jiu-jitsu or – Boxing, but not sparring. Just you know, training, Training, how to box and kickbox and stuff. So you know, to keep their kids active and to stay active and stuff. And uh, you know, finding out that man, you know, this kid was probably, you know, maybe a C plus B football player, basketball player, whatever, wasn't going to make it in the league. And uh, now, you know, this guy, me and Waltz, you know, same story. You know, he was a college basketball player. I was a college football player. Uh, Deontay was a, was a high school basketball player. Right. Uh who didn't make it. And then, but very competitive people got to do something, man. The nine to five, not going to cut it for, for people like us. hundred percent. You know? So for me, the reason I got into the sport was, man, I was just so frustrated with doing the nine to five thing, you know, living my life on repeat, go home, eat, come, uh, work, get up, work, come home, you know, just doing the same thing over and over again that, Man, I just needed something to, you know, uh, you know, release my, like, frustration. And what better way to do that than punching and kicking stuff? On story short, man, I got, you know, relatively good at it. And, uh, you know, started fighting, and I got better. And now, you know, this is where we're at now.
0: Yeah, I definitely would not. I don't think we're going to find anybody who disagrees that you got good at it. <laughs> uh, Eric, I brought up uh, food, which I often do. Um once the fight yeah. is over and you are really like you're free to indulge in whatever ever fucking cuisine you feel like this is what I got to have what's the perfect post fight post camp post weight cutting all bullshit aside meal for you
2: Man I am really big burger and pizza guy I love yes, burgers I love pizza uh I drink beer um now I all the shit that you can't do while you're cutting weight I do when I'm not cutting weight and that, that's you know, <laughs> same for the large for you know as i eat like that you know uh candy beer sodas uh you know i'm, I'm like kind of like one extreme to the other you know right. and then once you know once i feel myself becoming a fat piece of shit, and worthless <laughs> i was like, okay i got throttled back on my diet yeah and you know i'm i'm always training but you know um i don't know what it is about burgers i've been like that you know i i eat like a 10 year old you know i got 10 year olds who eats nothing but chink of fingers and fries. Right. and I was like, man, you know, I'm not even mad at you. That looks good. I'm, yeah, I'm 32 and you know, I feel you on
0: that. Yeah, dude, for sure. No, I'm exactly the same way. I appreciate you saying that. Um, you fought all over the United States and uh and you fought in Brazil. Is there is there a country you'd love to fight in that you never had the opportunity to do?
2: Um, man, you know, kind of like one of my 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 side goals. You know, once, once I got to the UFC, because now it's international and not just, you know, regional or across the United States. Sure. the fight on every continent that has people live, you know, the people live there.
0: Wow. You know, I,
2: I think that Africa is going to be kind of hard because, you know, they don't. But now you have uh, Kamara Ushman, the Nigerian nightmare. Um, right. uh, Israel Adesanya, Sadiq Yusuf. Uh, Francis Ngannou, right, exactly. there's there's a large, uh, a larger population of African fighters in the UFC now. So I think it's just a matter of time uh, before they have a card in Africa. And uh, Matt, I just think it would be, be cool to perform, you know, literally across the country, Asia, Australia, uh, Europe, Africa, all these places. Right. You know, um, I got North and South America down. You know. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I still got bad taste in my mouth about Brazil, man. I haven't won a fight. I fought there twice and right. lost twice, both main events. So maybe if I could get on undercard somewhere, uh, <laughs> you know, that would be the main event. Maybe it work out for me better.
0: Yeah, that would be dope. Now that actually uh, kills one of my questions from later on in the show. So it was going to be, uh, you know, how many times have you fought internationally? And but you already clearly know there's two in Brazil well, and one in uh, I, one in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Yeah, yeah. I,
2: I, I fought twice in Brazil and once in Canada, and I've lost all three. So, I man, you know, I'm not really in a, in a rush to go back to Canada, especially in wintertime, has It was cold as fuck, right, dude? <laughs> <know>. Bitter, <laughs> bitter cold. I, I, you know, I don't like that. So, you know, um, but whatever, man. You know, I, I'll go wherever, wherever, wherever I get the call to go fight. You know, uh, I love what I do. I'll fight in front of anybody, whoever, whatever. Absolutely. Uh, anybody so you know i'm down for all that
0: that sounds good dude uh eric can you walk us through what it's like the very first time fighting under the ufc lights like i know how much bigger the audience is going from the regional to a big show um so this would have been in july of 2017 versus a very tough Rafael nadal like what can you kind of Mm -hmm. walk us through what the first experience of you know kind of coming through that tunnel seeing the lights seeing the camera feeling the energy can you kind of walk us through what that was like for you
2: yeah, well, man, you know, I really know what to expect. You know, you arrive to the arena two or three hours before you go fight. Um, you know, you walk through the metal detectors. You know, you go sit in the locker room. You have all this time to, you know, get your hands wrapped, get warm and stuff. So, man, you're kind of in your own head, like, you know, you kind of tell yourself that that lie, like, you know, this is just any other fight. You know, this is, you know, another day at the job, but, Man, it's not. Man, this is a promotion. You know, you know, you were making, you know, $15 an hour, $10 an hour. You know, now you got that promotion. You know, you're making a little bit more. Expectations are a little bit higher. Uh, so, you know, walk out. Man, I'm not really an emotional guy, you know. Um, I do a lot of visualization and stuff. So, you know, I took that file in like 10 days' notice, I think. So there wasn't a whole lot of time to – you know, break down your opponent and, and and think about it too much, man. It's like, and you're there seven days before the fight. So, you know, 10 days, three days later, I'm on a plane to New York. And, um, man, it's just kind of surreal. But as soon as my feet touch the mat, like, literally, I swear, as soon as my feet touch the canvas, you know, I kind of, you know, it's, uh, you know, when, when you find the regional promotion, man, they have, like, canvas, you know, this shit gets slick whenever yeah. you get wet. Or, you know, some piece of shit puzzle mat that's on top of the stage <laughs> with, with no padding. But, you know, I uh as soon as my feet – and it's coarse, the UFC uh, floor. So You know, it, it's, it's a little rough so that you don't slip, you know. So, man, but as soon as my feet touch – and, you know, it's it kind of squishy a little bit. But as soon as my feet touch the canvas of the UFC cage, I knew I was supposed to be here. I knew I was going to knock this dude out. And I truly don't think I've ever been more comfortable – before a fight uh than I was that particular night.
0: That's fucking amazing. I think that's a uh that's an almost unique to you experience because we've heard from mm-hmm. the beginning about the octagon jitters and we've seen guys who've had 15, 20 fights in pride, you know, who come over and are still kind of shook by the entire yeah. you know, the, by the enormity uh of it. Uh so yeah, that was awesome. Thank you, man. Uh so Eric, you have had You've been matched with like a, a extremely diverse group of opponents, and you're just, I'm just talking about your UFC career, uh, from power punchers like Santos and Roundtree to slips, slick sub guys like Mershart or Natal or the conundrum that was the Dragon Machida. Uh, what style of fighter do you find the most exciting? Like, who are you the most fired up to go against? Do you want to stand and just straight up bang it out with some dude? Or do you look forward to someone you think you can dominate on top and use your GNP? Like, what's uh, what's the most exciting for matchup for you? Uh,
2: for me, my, the, the, my favorite fight and most exciting fight that I think that I've ever been in for my personal, you know, for me personally, uh, it was the Thiago Santos fight. Oh you know, yeah, it, was, like it six, was amazing. Six days, it was like six days notice, and man, I, he don't take nobody down, man. So I knew he was gonna take me down. I knew we were gonna have an opportunity to stand in the middle and and uh, you know thug it out. You yes, know? it was good. You know, even <laughs> though it didn't, even though even though it didn't work out for me, you know, I still had such a great time going in there challenging myself. Uh, I probably wrestled more in that fight just out of necessity. Yeah. Uh, uh, then I have the any other fight, but uh, I, I really do like to stand and, and and throw hands.
0: Yeah, dude. That that fight was, I think, for people who maybe who had not been exposed to you prior to, couldn't help but become fans of your boy on that night, man. That was fucking excitement personified from start to finish. So, just as a fan, thank you for that, dude. That was fucking amazing. Um, so, for question number ten, Eric, as we are kind of careening towards the end here. Um here I got a couple rapid fires. You already kind of answered one, but I got a couple uh, rapid fire questions for you if you don't mind. So Let's here's a little, here's a little uh here's a little test on Eric Anders' career for Eric Anders. <laughs> How many seconds into round 1 was your fastest pro knockout? And
2: 23 seconds. Probably. Oh
0: shit, he was right. And who was it against?
2: Uh Brian White and Bellator.
0: Fuck Tork. yeah, dude. One for one. Um, so how many times oh, I already answered this one. So if you could fight anyone, uh not current, we're not calling out anybody current. If you could fight anyone in the past history of combat sports, could be boxing, could be kickboxing, could be MMA, could be Muay Thai. Is there anybody kind of in the history that you think, you know, not in a call out way, but I think matchup wise, people would love to see this. This would be a fun one.
2: Man, shit. That's a really uh, good question.
0: I'm a really good interviewer. Yeah,
2: yeah. That, that's 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 <laughs> hard for a rapid fire question, you know, because that's a lot, that's a lot to think about. Yeah, for uh, sure. Man, it, would, it would definitely be an MMA fight because man, we had you were reading that. The first person I thought of was Mike Tyson, and man, I don't need my job broke, my ribs broken. I definitely don't need. That. <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to be able to stand a chance. You know, oh, I mean? sure. Uh, Mike Tyson and his prime, man. You know, unless you're six six like uh, Lennox Lewis was, and those those guys he <laughs> right. lost to. You know it's it's not looking good for you um man i don't know dude there's there's just such a rich maybe chuck with dale man you know oh, i love it's, that it's, idea it's, it's his, man people <laughs> sleep on his jits and his wrestling and stuff man that dude he, he could do it all man and you know he was a power puncher and you know had that really good hook um i have to go with chuck man just because it, it's chuck
0: i i love that fucking answer man that was amazing um so, Eric, that's it for the rapid fire. That's it for the kind of uh, standard questions. Uh, kind of in closing, do we have any further information on, like, a time or location or opponent for your next match?
2: Man, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, the USC was kind of looking at Birmingham in April sometime. Uh, but probably the only city in the United States, uh, they, they couldn't make it happen, man. They, they man. couldn't make it happen in Birmingham. We have a you know, uh, a good, you know, a pretty good Civic Center here. You know, the WWE comes here, Monster Jam, you know, the shit fills up. You know, I think yeah. it holds like 17,000 people or whatever. But, man, they start renovations on April 1st. And, uh, man, they weren't willing to, to delay the renovation for a week or two uh, so the UFC could come here. Uh, for whatever reason, Birmingham has always been like that with, with, the, with the politics. So... Man, um, hopefully April. You know, I I don't know where yet. I don't know who yet. But you know, I like to fight several times a year, and you know, I haven't fought since October. And um, you know, April—that's like five months. So yeah. you know, I, I'm I'm really itching and chomping at the bit to get back in there. So you know, um, late March, April time frame.
0: Right. So so relatively soon. We're not talking about we need six more months or anything like nah, that. Nah, hell nah. That's good I, I
2: like to, you know me, man. I like. To get yes, in I there. do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Eric, again, uh, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. We are all fans of you here at uh, Combat Sports with Rhino. We definitely look forward to your next Scrap. Um, Everybody give your boy a follow, both on Twitter, are you on IG as well? Oh yeah, of course. Twitter, IG, all the platforms, let's follow your boy's career. You want to talk about excitement personified, you're talking about Eric, god dang Anders, man. Fire, fights are abundant. The dude can wrestle. He is good everywhere. He is so much fun to watch. And clearly, as you've heard in this interview, an extremely cool and nice and down-to-earth guy. So, Eric, thank you so much again for being on with Combat Sports with Rhino. Uh, We're going to go ahead and get the show edited in the next little bit. We'll get it up. I'll tweet it directly to you. I'll tag you in it. And, uh, yeah, man, I really hope you listen to it and enjoy it.
2: I appreciate you having me, Rhino.
0: Thank you very much, sir. Have a great rest of the afternoon and enjoy the Super Bowl. You too. What an amazing interview, man. I'm still kind of shook, dude. I was very... I was very excited to interview Eric because I've been such a fan of his for such a long time. I really love the way he fights. I love he's kind of the, he was kind of the, you know, kind of cut from the same vein as Cowboy Cerrone, kind of fight anyone, anywhere, anytime, any weight, kind of a guy. He he is such a interesting character with such an interesting backstory. I loved having him on. What a cool, nice person too. Totally down to earth, totally forthcoming with his answers. Very insightful. I really appreciate Eric being on the show today. So, that brings us to the towards the the end of our show here. You know I'm not going to end the show on Combat Sports with Rhino without my shout outs. First and foremost, obviously I got to shout out my boy, Eric Anders, for his uh, his awesome interview today. I think I think Ken, Mr. Tittlewinks, is the one who came up with the uh, hashtag. Actually, I have it wrote down here, hash brown, because it's really funny. The uh, hashtag Rhino Gang. And there are definitely a ton of you who are definitely in the Rhino Gang. Of course. My main man, Jim soon for the gentleman. Uh, thank you so much for your question today, buddy. Juice Gator, Serious King, the aforementioned Ken, Mr. Tittlewinks, Marquise Johns, Dave Fretz, Evil Eddie, Antonio Pineda, Leg Sweep, Man. all you guys have been such fucking great friends to the show. And to my lady friends, the lady members of the Rhino Gang, Ashley, Pokemama, Derek Lewis's Hot Balls, Laura's Purple Pants, Drea... G from OTV, Deja, the consigliere, and so many others. You guys are critical to the show's success. I can never articulate how much I appreciate and love you guys. Love, love, love you. There will be no more hiatus from the show. Nobody's taking vacation anytime soon. The Rhino is dedicated. Dave is in the fucking building doing his damn best to keep this show flowing even though i fuck up here and there he's the editor who makes it sound like i don't uh bailey rocked out with the twitter questions today bailey let the people know how much you enjoy getting their questions
1: thanks so much for writing in guys can't wait to hear what you have to say next week
0: absolutely we absolutely are are so happy that you guys take the time to write in for us so uh once again for everybody here at the show comments versus rhino special thanks to eric anders everybody else who makes this show possible we love 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 you guys and can't wait to see you next week